You are listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We believe that Jesus came to set you free and nothing can cancel the truth of God's word. Now here's your host, the youth pastor of Impact Youth at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut, Pastor Joey Santora. What is up, Uncanceled Podcast? Welcome back. Welcome back. Psych, it's not with your host, Pastor Joey Santora. It is with the sisters... The no, I'm just kidding. The, Brianna and this is my sister Lindsay. Yes. I'm Pastor Joey's wife. If you don't know me, and um, we're excited to be with you guys today. Um, if you're new, you should subscribe and you should like this video after you're done watching it, so that we know that you like the video, and so you can see if we come back again. We'll see if this <laughs> yeah, is a hit or not. Back. Maybe that'll be our like rating. You guys can rate us. Yeah. See. See if we're good enough. Speaking of ratings. You guys know our segment, Rate That Apple. But since we're doing a different edition today of the podcast, we're also doing a different rating. And we're going to call it Rate That Specialty Drink. (laughs) (laughs) Or Rate That Gas Station Drink. Okay. We got them from the gas station. We didn't really know what to call it. You guys can write that in the comments, too, what we should call this segment. When we're going to do the podcast, it's going to be... Some kind of drink, coffee, what, tea. What should we name? Seltzer. It? I mean, there's so oh, many yeah. different. There are so fun many drinks options. So today, we have peace tea. The flavor is raspberry. It is naturally flavored and other natural flavors. It looks very inviting, and we've both never had it. Never Hopefully had it. It's. It doesn't say if there's caffeine in it or not, but Brianna told me there probably I think that is. There has to be caffeine in it. So, all right, we're going to try this. And oh gosh, I have no nails. Oh, <laughs> did you get sprayed? No, all it right. just was difficult. Ready? All right. Very sweet. First taste. Not what I was expecting. Tastes a little bit like candy, if you ask me. Yeah, the tea to razzle. No, the tea, <laughs> the to, tea razzle, to sugar ratio is like tea to sugar ratio is not the best. No, well, but it's all right. I feel like I know a lot of people that it has zero juice in it. It tastes like it does have juice, though. I feel like I know a lot of people that like this. Yeah, pretty it's good. Very large. It was like very cheap. I would maybe drink half of this, I not the really whole know. thing. We'll see. I'll drink it because it's here. I'm going to give it, I don't know, a six and a half. Mm. See, six and a half makes me think I would buy it again. This, I, don't I don't know if I would buy this again. It's a little bit it's too sweet. But I don't like little, sweet. Don't yeah. like sweet. So I would probably give it more of a five. It honestly kind of tastes like a Jolly Rancher. Five out of ten. It's, it's just okay. like a raspberry juice. Mm. Maybe I'll take my rating down to a six. You said six. six. Oh, 6.5. Take off a half a point. You lose half a point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're very excited because today we are going to do this podcast on four ways that you can become a woman of God. Or that's the name of the podcast. But if you're a guy who's watching this, these are four different things that you can look for. In a woman that you want to be your woman of God. When you're ready for that marrying time. (laughs) Now, this, some of you might think, oh, this is kind of silly. Like, I'm 14. Why do I need to know how to be a woman of God? 
Well, you are old enough to have to start making decisions about what's going to affect the rest of your life. And we want you to become people who are like what the word of God says and who love Jesus, who follow him and do things that honor him. And so that you can live the best life possible. And so even if you think you're young, this is still important for you. And I wish that someone told me this kind of stuff when I was a young, a young, a young tot. (laughs) Not a tot. You guys are not that. Not not a tot. (laughs) Just a young. We're really not that much older woman because you are a young woman and you can be young woman of God. Yes. Okay. So. All right. Let's reel it in. Reel it in here. here. All right, so the first point, and you guys can write these in the comments. The first point is to be a woman who puts God first. Who puts God first. The reason why this one is almost basically the most important is because you have to make a decision if you are going to stand for God or not. In this life, you have to make a decision whether you're going to stand for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And everyone has to make a decision at some point. And if you make no decision at all, if you don't make a decision to stand for God, you're standing against him. So we want to make a decision to put God first and to choose him yep. as our leader and as what we're going to stand for in this life. And so when we were going over this pod, like planning out this podcast, the first person that popped in my head was Esther. Esther was a woman in the Old Testament, and her people were in trouble. They were gonna, they were gonna all die. Yeah, basically, 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 they were all gonna be wiped out. And these were God's people, and so Esther had been put into a position of leadership at this point in time. She actually became the queen. You can read all about it in Esther, the book of Esther. It's very short, but you can read about it. But this is just a little quick summary. She becomes the queen and her cousin comes to her and says, listen, you know that your people, because she was a Jew herself. She was a person. She was one of God's chosen people. And so her cousin says to her, basically, our people are in danger and you are in a position of leadership and you you are able to make a choice. And so let's read in Esther 4, verse 14. Do you have it open or do you want uh, to read no. it? Okay, I'll, oh, I'll read it. No, it's, it's okay. okay. So her cousin, her cousin's name is Mordecai. Very fun name. Her cousin says to her, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. So basically he's saying to her, look, Esther, you have a decision to make. If you don't help God's people, someone else will. And because you told God, no, your family won't be able to be saved. And so she isn't like basically given this question, like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to take a stand or not? Are you going to put God's people before your own feelings, before your own fears, before whatever is going on in her own mind, are you going to choose to serve God over people? And and she, and even Mordecai points out to her, listen, you are put into leadership. Are you going to do something about it? Are you going to do something with what God has already given to you, what he's already put into your hands? Are you going to keep putting 
him first in your life. He already, he put you into this position. And so are you going to keep putting him in that first place in your life? I have anything to say? Yeah. And it's, that applies very much to our lives because look at it. Like, what did God put into my hand? How can I stand up for the things of God in my personal life? You know, are you in a position where you can lead people to Jesus? Are you in a position where, you know, you're able to start a Bible study at your school and you're able to stand for the things of God in that way, even just in your friend groups, you know, like, are you going to stand up for what is right when all your friends are going out and doing the wrong thing? And you're, are you going to stand for God and say, no, I'm, I'm going to tell them this is what the Bible says. I'm not going to do those kinds of things. Even like I think about when I was in high school, I had friends that would say like, you know, I'm not actually going to I'm not going to drink and stuff, but I'm just going to go to the party for fun. I'm just going to hang out there. I'm not going to do whatever. But that's not standing for the things of God. That's that's almost like Esther before she took a stand. Right. She was just kind of in the king's palace. She wasn't going to be harmed. They didn't really know she was a Jew. And um. But that's like kind of what Esther was doing, right? She was just kind of like, you know, at the party, but not really standing up for the things of God. But for like for you guys, are you going to choose to make a stand like Esther did? Are you going to choose to stand up for what's right and stand up for the things of God and keep putting God first? Right. Are you going to put God first? And like she said, it's not just in one thing, but it's in multiple parts of your life. It's not just for one day or for when you're in church or when you're with your church friends, you know, putting God first in those conversations or whatever. It's not just for that. It's for every day of your life. For the rest of your life, are you going to choose to put God first? And I wanted to read this part where Esther Esther's reply to Mordecai because I thought that it was powerful. So if you go down to Esther 4, verse 16, she says, right back to him, she says, go and Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. And if I must die, I must die. She was going to make an appeal to the king and say, listen, like, these are my people. Please don't let, please don't let them die. That's basically the request. But. By going to the king, she was putting her life at risk. So she was putting God first enough in her life. She was putting her life on the line to put God first. And some of us, maybe you're thinking to yourself that you would never be in that position. Oh, no, like my life would never be on the line. But make a decision before that even comes. I heard a preacher, there's a preacher that I've, I've listened to that says like, you know what, I have made a decision that anything God asks me to do, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I have predetermined in my heart that no matter what God says, I'm going to say yes. And Esther made that decision. She said, you know what, if I'm going to die, I, I, I will die. I have made it. I've made a conscious decision that I'm going to put God first. And she even in this decision that she makes, she challenges others to do the same. Be someone who who not only puts God first in your own life, but challenges other people to do that. She tells him, go tell the other people to fast and pray for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell the people in my inner circle, my, who are close to me, I'm going to ask them also to fast and pray as I go in to do this. She was, she was bold enough to challenge even, even other people to put God first. And I thought that that was powerful because you guys can do the same. 
maybe your life's not at risk right now. You're not the queen of some kingdom that's going to, somebody's people who are going to be destroyed. That's probably not you unless you're someone I don't know. And that is you, (laughs) but um, you know, maybe you're in your school and there's some people who, who are going to make a bad decision and you have to stand up against it. Maybe they're going to go to the party. Maybe they're going to cheat on the test. Maybe they're going to sneak out late at night when they're not supposed to. Maybe they're going to, you know, uh, you know, use those, I don't know, use those drugs that they shouldn't be. Or, you know, drink underage. Drink when they shouldn't be drinking. Those are never should be drinking, really. <laughs> um All of that to say, maybe there's people around you that are making choices that are not putting God first. Are you going to take a stand and say, you know, as for me, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to put him first and even challenge other people to do that, too? Yeah. And like Brianna was saying, like, it's you might look at it and be like, well, you guys are talking about like such a big thing, like all like you're saying, like, all my family is going to die and I need to stand for God. Like, no, obviously that is not like your position. But it comes in every everyday life. Will you stand for God? Are you going to keep putting God first? Are you going to wake up in the morning and read your Bible? Or are you going to go scroll on TikTok? Right. You know, and it's like those are things that convict everybody, right? It's like everybody um, has to make that choice every day. But for you, as a woman of God, are you going to wake up and say, today I'm going to serve God. Today I'm going to put him first and make all the right choices. Or today am I going to just you know, fall by the wayside and just follow the crowd. Right. You have to make a decision like Esther did and say, I'm going to put God first, no matter what comes, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to put God first in my That's life. Right. That's right. So be someone who puts God first. That's point number one. Point number two is be a woman who prays. Yes. So when we were talking about this, I thought of a woman who prayed is found in Acts chapter 12, and her name is Rhoda, and she was a servant girl, but the reason she was praying so fervently was because Peter, if you guys remember Peter, he was um, a disciple, but Peter had been imprisoned. He was (laughs) arrested for preaching the gospel. We talked about on the podcast recently about what is biblical suffering, and we talked about persecution, and Peter was being persecuted. He was imprisoned and put in jail, And in this passage, it's talking about the church in that area all got together and they in a woman's house and they prayed fervently for the man of God to be released from prison. And Rhoda was there. She was a servant girl in that home. And she didn't just stand by and watch everyone else pray, but she joined in and she prayed, too. And she was a woman who prayed fervently, but she didn't just pray fervently. She also believed God. They all were believing God that he was going to release um. Peter from prison. And if you read in verse 13, it says, oh, I didn't even explain the rest of it. I'm sorry. I forgot to explain that Peter got released from prison. <laughs> um, the prayers worked. The prayers worked. They were answered. And God answered their prayer and an angel came and broke Peter out of the prison. So Peter then went to this woman's house and he's they're all praying in there, right? They're believing God. And he's knocking at the door and it says, Peter knocked at the door at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. She ran without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You have to be out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. 
But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door, they saw him and were astonished. So Rhoda, she was a woman of great faith. All of these people, she comes back and says, he's knocking at the door. She, just at the sound of his voice, she didn't even have to see his face. She was just like, I know it's him. I know Peter's here because we prayed and I know God answered me. And they all are like in shock. They're like, what? They're like, no way he's there. He must have died. It's his angel. Yeah. <laughs> but Rhoda was persistent. She knew, she knew it was him. And when she came back, they were all astonished. But she was a woman who prayed and had faith. And that's how we need to be. Right. We need to go and we need to pray when we ask God for something to believe him, to believe him for it. If we're asking him for a family member to be saved, if you need finances and you're believing God for that, you know, whatever you're believing God for, you need to have faith like Rhoda that when you just at the sound of your prayer being answered, not seeing it in your hand yet, but you say, you know what? I, I know God's going to do it. I believe him for it. And I don't need to see it to know God's going to do it. She was a woman who was full of faith. Right. And have enough faith that maybe you look a little crazy. Maybe that what you're believing God for looks like something impossible. When she came back to them and, be, and they said, are you out of your mind? You're out of your mind. And, you know, people say that to us, like, what are, like, basically, what are you crazy? Like, to, you're crazy to think that. Why, why would you think that? And I think that if she had not gone back to the door and opened it, or whoever went, who went back to the door? I think they all went. She kept, he yeah. kept knocking, and they all opened the door and were amazed. Okay, but what if Peter stopped knocking, and she kept telling them, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. I think that they still would have all said no. Like, he's not at the door. Like, of course he's not at the door. Their doubt, they had so much, like, so little faith that God could do something like that. And she stood there looking almost like a fool. Yeah. But don't be afraid to pray things that maybe other people would think are crazy. Like, it doesn't mean that you need to go yelling on the streets. You know, I believe believe God that he's going to do this and that. It doesn't mean you need to go be all loud and boisterous about it. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that you believe God so much that when the testimony is about to come in and you say, I be- God did this and God is doing this now, that even when people look at you in doubt, you you stand up against that and with the faith that you have. Yeah. And even just like looking at this passage, right, how I just like thought of it when Brianna was saying those people had so little faith, like even like be like Rhoda, but don't be like those other people. Don't be someone who goes away to pray. And like, I can just imagine it. They're like praying like these people who are just like weeping to God. Oh God, Peter's going to die. Please save Peter. No, I, I see them all doing that, but I can almost picture Rhoda saying, God, I know you're going to answer me. I know you're going to release him from prison. And I know he's going to be on the other side of that door tomorrow. How are you approaching God in prayer? How are you, are you approaching him with an expectancy that he's going to answer or, or are you approaching him with the opposite that your prayers aren't really doing anything? Yeah, because the thing is, this story is literally proof your prayers do something. It says that the people prayed fervently, and it says that God answered them, and an angel came and broke him out of prison. Like, I don't just see people just every day getting broken out of prison by an angel. But God did that because they believed. So be, be... as a woman of God, you want to be someone who has is full of faith in right. prayer. You never should be praying and have no faith. You should always have faith when you come in prayer. Whatever right. it's for, no matter how big or small the thing is, you should always be coming in faith saying, I know my God can answer this because I've seen him do it. 
I've seen it in his word, and I know that he's a God who answers my prayers. Right. And if you didn't get to watch last week's podcast, I'd encourage you to watch it because it's all about prayer. And one thing it was just I was just thinking of is that we can know. We talked about this last week. We can know that we know that God's word is his will, and that's what he want, He will do. And that we can have a confidence that what he said he will do. You can have a confidence in prayer that you're not just believing God for something he's never done before, but you're believing God for something he did for somebody else in the Bible, believing God for something he said he would do. It's a promise. And so don't be afraid that, you know, you have to have just have faith and, oh, maybe it will happen and no, it won't. No, you have you have proof. You have living proof that God does what he says he'll do. Yeah. And I just, this is like the last thing I'll say about this before we move on to the next one. But faith isn't just hoping that God will do something great for you. It's knowing that God's already answered your request. It's not just sitting there saying, oh God, I hope that you'll do this. But it's like Brianna just said, looking at what God's done for other people, looking at what it says in the word of God and knowing that God's going to do it for you too. It's a knowing on the inside of you that you know God's character. God, I trust who you are and that you will do everything that your word says you'll do. You watch over your word waiting to perform it. It's not just this spell. It's not a spell book or a book of hopes and dreams, but it's a book full of, of truth and, and it's, powerful yeah it's the bible is literally god's promises to us of what he will do for us so you can all you can come to god in faith knowing that god's gonna do it for you and that's what a woman of god should do that's right and that's gonna be you that's what there's this pod this girl that we always (laughs) listen to carolyn shuttlesworth she is my girl shout out carolyn shuttlesworth she's my friend if you ever watch this yeah carolyn we love you Caroline is awesome, but I feel like she's my friend. But anyway, something she always says on her podcast is she'll be like, that's going to be you or that's not going to be you, depending on what it is. And I just felt like her when I said that. But But that that is is going to be you. You You will be a woman of faith in prayer. You're going to from this podcast forward, you're going to always come to God in faith in Jesus name. Right. Do something about it. Do something. Do something about it. So our next point is be a woman who leads. And this one, we're going to talk about a woman named Deborah. And Deborah was, she was a pretty cool girl. She, <laughs> pretty cool guy. She was a pretty cool girl. She was a prophet appointed by God. And she also led the people of Israel to victory. This is, we're talking about, this isn't. Is the only like woman prophet in the Old Testament? I believe so. Or one of the only. Don't quote if me not on that. The only, but she one is a woman only. prophet in the Old Testament. Pretty cool. And she also, I'm leaving my notes. She also was a woman who led the people of Israel. And this isn't in 21st century America where everybody is all women's rights and like oh, they boy. want women to lead, okay? We're not talking about that today. Oh, boy. But that's not the time that she was living in. She was living in a time where women came second and they were not, you know, equal. But God never saw a woman as second. God wanted women to lead, and that's why he appointed Deborah. But here in in Judges chapter 4, if you go to verse 6, it says, She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, (laughs) from from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and and lead them up, to Mount Tabor. 
I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So Deborah, you see here in this passage, she came to these people with a word that God gave her. She was a prophet, so she had a word in her mouth for these people of what they needed to do to get victory over their enemy. But if you see, Deborah was such a great leader. These men, these warriors, would not go to battle without her. They said, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. And in the following verse, Deborah says, certainly I will go with you. So Deborah, she was quick to lead. She said, you want me to lead? I'm going to lead you. She didn't shy away from leading people, but she stepped up and she took her position as a leader. And she said, I will lead you to victory. You won't go without me because you're scared. (laughs) She said, I will lead you. She wasn't afraid of anything. She was just said, you know what? I was put in a position. God gave me an opportunity to lead and I'm going to lead them to victory. Even though she was a woman. Yeah. And to her, that didn't mean that she was less, but it, but she had the power of God inside of her and she didn't have any fear to be, to stand up for what God had told her to do. This kind of correlates with our first point, which was putting God at first, first, because she could have shied back too. She could have said, oh, well, I just gave you that word. I'm not going. Like, you know what? That was just, I'm doing the behind the scenes thing. I'm not going. But she just, she said, you know what? God, God literally put me in this position and I'm going to step up. I'm not going to back down, but I have to, I have to be a leader because God put me here. And I don't know, maybe you're thinking I haven't been put in a position. I don't really know what it would be like for me to be a leader. How can I be a leader? And this is like, This is huge because you can be a leader just by being who God's made you to be. That in everything that you're standing for God, that, you know, when people want to do something that's wrong, you do what's right. That's how you be a leader. And even when you're young and then even when as you grow older, depending on whatever age you are, like, you know, as you go into college, it's still the same thing. Are you going to be a leader? Are you going to find people who are like minded, who believe God and who worship him? Or are you going to, you know, side with people who are against God? No, you're going to actually be a leader and those people will come to you. They'll find you. You will lead them. Yeah, and if you're sitting here thinking, like Brianna just said, like, oh, how can I be a leader? Something that I just kind of just realized in this passage is a way that Deborah began as a leader was she was quick to obey the instruction of God. She didn't, when God told her that word for those people, right, she didn't just sit there and say, like, oh, well, you know, I'm not sure if I'm right. I'm not sure if God said that to me. Let me just wait on it a couple of days and, and see if that's really the Lord. No, she was quick to obey. She took that instruction. She went and gave it to them. And after she gave the instruction, when they said, we won't go without you, she didn't say, oh, let me go pray and see if God wants me to lead these people. No, she said, I'm going to lead them and I'm going to lead them to victory. She was confident. And you see later in this passage too, in verse 14, this is a little bit later on. It says, then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord 
routed Sisera and all his army, all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Deborah was confident. She took place to be their leader. She, they asked her to come. She said, I'm going to lead you. And then when she commanded them to go into battle, she said, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? She was a confident leader. She knew that God was going to deliver them. She knew that God was going to give them victory. And she was confident and put that in, in the soldier's spirit too. She said, no, God's gone ahead of you. And she, and as a strong leader, she told them what to do with confidence, knowing that God was on their side. Powerful. It's powerful because these looking at these stories and looking at these women, it shows us who we can be. We don't have to be like people in this world. Listen, there is, we've talked about this before, but there is a movement in this world to be, you know, this whole woman's woman's empowerment. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm just gonna. I'm going to start a small business and, you know, I'm going to be a leader. Those aren't bad things to start a small business, to do something, you know, on your own accord. But the truth is, is that you need to be a leader because God has given that to you, not just because it's in your own, you're going to muster up your own strength. You're just going to put all your ideas together and, you know, hope it works and and hope God sides with it. No, like Glundy was saying, get instruction from God and that is actually what's going to lead you to victory. You're a le- you're going to be a leader of people, but it's only because you're actually following a greater leader mm-hmm. because you're following God. So don't think, oh, being a leader in this world is being like these women that I know who are, you know, you know these I don't know what's a good example. Like a CEO or like okay, and great. not that these are bad things, no. right? But the whole point of leading people is not to be, oh, look at me, I'm so great. I'm a woman and I did all these things in a man's world. No, it's to do follow the instruction of God. Right. Be a woman, be humble and just say, you know what? I just lead I just follow him where he sends me. I do what God asks me to do. He leads me where I need to go, whatever instruction he gives me. And like Deborah, when the opportunity came, she said, yeah, I'll do that. She said, yeah, I'll lead you because she was confident. Those men, that man who said to her, I won't go without you. He wasn't confident. He said he was afraid. He wasn't sure if they could win the victory. But Deborah said, no, I'm confident and I'm going to lead these people to victory. And you can be confident like that too. As a woman of God, you don't have to be like the women of this world who fight for a position of leadership and who fight, you know, there are people, I hear people talk about people my age being like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to climb the the ladder and I'm going to be a CEO. I'm going to be so successful, you know, and, and they'll be like, yeah, I hope to get married someday, but like, I don't really know when, like, and that's like, fine. Like, it's okay if you don't want to get married young, but, and we're not talking about that anyways, but that I'm just saying that to say that you don't have to be great all by yourself and be like, oh, I don't need a man to do anything. Well, it's not about that anyways. It's about following the instruction that God gave you and being a leader because God puts you there. We're going to be leaders, but not like the leaders of this world. Yes. We're not going to strive to be something that we're not, but we're going to be who God has made us to be. And God will open up leadership for us. Yeah. He'll op- He'll just do it for you. You, you won't even have to lift a finger rather than you pray. 
and you do what God has put in your hands for that time. And as you do that, God opens other things up for you. And God wants you to be successful. This is not just, none of this was to say that God doesn't want you to be successful. God will raise you up and put you in places of leadership, but it's only going to go well if you follow him as your leader first. And, and if he leads you to those positions, because when we do it in our own power, it doesn't, you're going to get to the top and think, what did I do all this for? And then why am I here? Because you got there on your own strength and you didn't even, you don't have a reason behind it rather than you just wanted to be great, like Lindsay right. said. But there's a greater power that comes from God that he can give you an instruction. And when he get, gets you into that leadership position, bam, he's going to give you a vision. He's going to show you what to do to make what's underneath you become elevated. It's not just... It's not just something that you have to do in your own power, but there's a leadership that God is going to give you. Yeah. And, and you can take that instruct instructions from him and it will take you there. Yeah. It's just like, follow that, follow that instruction and watch God open things up for you because he will make you successful, right. but you don't have to do it in your own power and you don't have to think, Oh, I need to be greater than, than men in this world, no. but God will just put you in that. It puts you in the right position. He'll give you leadership and it's not going to have anything to do with anybody else, but just with God putting you in the place where he knows you can best do what he's called you to do. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right. So that's point number three already is be a woman who leads. And lastly, point number four, is be a woman who serves. Be a woman who serves. Now, this does not sound fun. (laughs) I will admit, serving, it doesn't sound fun, but we'll we'll just talk about it. It is really amazing what, what happens inside of you when you serve. Because God... God rewards people who serve. And it when you have a servant's heart, someone who is willing to do whatever is put in front of them, it shows. It is a big deal. People see that and things open up for you when you do that. Leadership opens for you when you serve. It's that true. goes back to our other point. But Anyways, that's it not, all connects. It's it all, all about it being a woman of God. It all works together. It does. Hopefully you're it's connecting the dots too. It's funny because we didn't really, we didn't pick out these points and say, oh, they're all connected in some way rather than the overarching theme of being a woman of God. But what have we learned here? That in order to be a leader, you have to hear God so that you can obey him. That comes through prayer. And if you're going to obey God, you have to make a predetermined decision that you're going to say yes to God no matter what and put him first. So anyways, that's cool. I think it's great. Okay. All right. Point number four. Okay. Be a woman who serves. Okay. So there's two women that we're going to talk about. But the first one we're going to talk about is we're going back to Peter. Peter. Peter was a man of God, but he had a mom. No, he had a mother-in-law. A mother. Oh, I'm sure. Did, oh, a mother-in-law. I'm sure he had a oh, mom so he's too. Married. That's cool. I'm sure he had a mom too. But. <laughs> I never really thought about Peter being married, even though like this clearly says mother-in-law. I honestly, it's weird, but I never think of any of the disciples being married. I even think of them all were. as these like single men that just they went around because they had to leave their their like, their wife and kids to serve and, God. And but anyway, yep, anyway, it's not what we're talking okay, about. So Peter's mother-in-law, not mother. I don't know why I said that. Peter's mother-in-law was very sick. In Matthew chapter 8. 
which we're going to open there in a second. She's very sick with a fever. So I'm going to actually open there right now. And I'm going to read the text to you. Matthew. You can turn there too in your Bible if you want. What? People watching online. What'd you say? Oh, yeah. You guys can can open it. You guys can use your Bible. You don't just have to listen to us read it. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. It says, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, her fever left. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. All right, so Peter's mother-in-law, she is laying sick in bed with a high fever. If you've ever been sick in your whole life, which you probably have, that is the worst. And I don't ever want to have that in Jesus' name. We stand against that and we stand for divine healing. But I know that there has been times in my life where I've had a very bad fever and I've been lying in bed and I felt very, very, very sick. And even as a fever breaks, if you know about like sickness, but as a fever breaks, it takes time for you to feel fully well again. Yeah. So Jesus touches this woman and immediately she feels well. And that's amazing in itself. But she feels well enough to get up and prepare a meal. Now, I know that there's always the joke of, you know, the women are in the kitchen. They're always whatever. Listen, that is a, that, it's an honor to serve people. Yes. That is what I've learned. I've been married for two months now. And we've had lots of people, not lots, but a good handful of people come over to our apartment. And every time... Not every time, but most times, you know, I'll make something or put something out, whatever. And I've realized that what a joy it is to serve. And I can only imagine this woman's joy as as she's healed by the master, she gets to get up and serve him. She gets to get up and serve him. And that's an example to us. That should be an example to us. Number one, that when God does something for us, it should be a motivation to serve him. It should be a motivation. God has saved me. I'm going to serve him. God has healed me. I'm going to serve him. He's lifted off all heaviness. I'm going to serve him. Those are those are reasons to serve God. They are reasons to serve God. But how about let's just let it be a part of who we are. That even, even after I've been saved and I've been healed and I'm just loving Jesus and being in a relationship with him, I'm going to, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to get up quickly. I'm going to get up quickly and do whatever is put into my hands. Another woman in the Bible in Proverbs 31, you guys have all heard about the Proverbs 31 woman. She's a, she's a classic. She's a classy lady. She's a classy lady. She's a classy she lady. takes care of her home. She takes care of her kids, her husband. She's got her own business. All right. Grace, you guys, if you know Grace, she's always calling people Proverbs 31 women. And it's very... It's encouraging. No, it is encouraging. It's encouraging. Because Thank she you, was Grace. a great woman. She she, she was gave, a great woman. She owned cattle. She did she lots of like, things. She was a prosperous woman. She was a great woman, okay? But what I want to point out about her is in Proverbs 31, verse 13, it says that she finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. So this woman, she's very busy. But basically what this little section right here, I know it sounds like very old school. It sounds like colonial 
America when they made their own clothes and whatever. That's not what we do today. But what this woman is an example of is she was a hard worker. She got up. She did whatever her family needed her to do. It says she got up before dawn to prepare. And really, I think another word for prepare would be to serve, to serve her family. She did everything that she could to do to be to be an uh a blessing to be, to serve her family, to make them better, to make their lives better. And another verse, skip down to verse 27, it says that she carefully watches over everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. And this is who we are to be. We're to be women who don't just sit around and watch everyone else do things, watch everyone else serve the church watch everyone else take care of their families, watch everyone else take care of their friends. But we're going to be women who serve others, who look, what's the verse that says, looking to others as greater than yourselves. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that Jesus made himself like a servant. He made himself like a servant. Obviously, Jesus, he came, he gave up his Godship. He gave up his position in heaven to come be like us, but he didn't just come to be like us and be like a king on the earth, but he actually came to serve us. Mm -hmm. So not only are these women who serve an example of, they're not an, just an example of service, but so was Jesus. Jesus came to serve people and to show, look, I, I love you and I've come to serve you to serve you. And we're going to be women who look to serve. We're not going to sit around in laziness. Not We don't sit around acting like other teenagers and other young women in this world. There's lots of people who just look for other people to do everything else for them. Mm -hmm. They just look, oh, well, so-and-so, like, you know, maybe they'll do it for me and I'll just scrape by and, you know, whatever, so-and-so will do this and I'll just kind of live off of what they're doing. No. But we're going to, we are not going to suffer from that laziness, but we're going to get up and do things for ourselves, be leaders, but be leaders who serve. Yeah. Yeah. And serving is a privilege too. It's not, it can sound like, oh, so burdensome. The word serve. And no. it can also like, if you grown up in church and you've been around church a lot and maybe you've served in kids ministries or different things, it can feel like, oh my word, I'm serving again or like different things like that. But realizing that it's a privilege to serve and realizing that God's given you the, op the ability to serve. He's given you the opportunity to do that. And even like Brianna was saying in the beginning, you know, it can sound so like, oh, like the women are in the kitchen or like the women are doing this and that. But you know what? It's a privilege to yes. be in the kitchen, to serve someone food, to bless someone with that, you know, to and you might be like, oh, I'm a teenager. Why would I cook for someone? Well, cook for your family. You know what I mean? Serve your siblings, serve your parents like, you know. I live at home too. I serve your family. Like you don't have to be like, oh, I have to be married and have 35 kids to serve someone. Exactly. Like you can serve now. You can be a woman of God who serves now. It doesn't have to wait. And you can serve in the church. You know, if even if it's little things. I remember someone, a mentor I had in high school, she was talking to me and she was like, you know, like let, let there be little things that you do that only God sees, but you do them because you're faithful to God and you want to serve him. You know what I mean? Like doing little things like, you know, you're sweeping the floor when nobody's watching. You stay after youth group to help clean up. You know, you're helping in kids church, like going the extra mile and not like not to get a reward, but just to please God, to serve God, because it's a privilege to do that. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. Yes. There's one more thing that I just wanted to 
So in verse 27, it says that she carefully watches everything in her house and she suffers nothing from laziness. What something that that stood out to me when I read that verse earlier and I read a different version that says she watches out. And I I want to encourage you and challenge you to watch out and to look for ways you can serve. Don't just wait for someone to say, can you please do this? Can you please do that? Will you please come serve at church? Look, ask God, God, what are ways I can serve people? I can serve my church and I can serve you. Even if it's just those three things, maybe you'd start with God, what's a way I can serve you? And he'll open up things, ways for you to serve. But this woman watched out. She looked and make that part of your life that you look for ways to serve. This is a like on a personal note, but one thing that I do every day is l- I look for ways I can serve my husband. How can I help him? What does he need? What will make his life better today? And those sound like, oh, wow, like that sounds like a lot of work. It's not a lot of work. It's a joy. It's something that I get to do and I want to do because I love him and because I want his life to be better and because I want to help him. And so let's do the same with God. God loves us. We love him. And let's let's serve him and make his kingdom better. Yeah. Let's serve him and grow the kingdom. Yeah. Any last comments? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, work hard. Work hard at being a woman of God. Yeah. That's something that I've learned over the past, like, year, year and a half. Like, I'm a single girl. And you know what? I'm going to be a woman of God now. I'm not going to wait till I'm married. Right. not going to wait till I have 35 kids. I'm not having that many kids. But I'm... I'm going to be a woman of God now. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be in prayer. And decide that you're going to do that now. While you're young, decide that you're going to be a woman of God. You're going to serve him faithfully. You're never going to walk away from the Lord. And that you're going to please the Lord with your life. That's right. We love you guys very much. We thank you so much for joining in. We pray for you that you become a woman of God or men that you find a woman of God to stand beside you. We love you guys. Sign up for Heat Wave and we'll see you there. Have a good night. Day. Peace out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Uncanceled Podcast. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by the teaching today. If you are between the grades of 5th through 12th grade, make sure to check us out in person at Faith Church in New Milford, Connecticut every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Be sure to tune in next week for another weekly podcast from Uncanceled. God bless.